We're back in Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to finish our series on hearing the voice of the Father. God speaks, and we've looked at how God speaks. He speaks through His Spirit. I want you to write these down in the front of your Bible. If you ever write any of my outlines down, and I know many of you do, write these five S's in the front of your Bible. God speaks, and we preached a whole message on each of these S's. God speaks through, number one, His Spirit. Right, number one, His Spirit. Number two, He speaks through His Scriptures. Number two, His Scriptures. Number three, He speaks through the situation. Number four, He speaks through the sermon. Always be in the house of God. Number five, we're going to look at the last installment this morning. He speaks through our supplication. What is supplication? It is our prayer. I promise you, I'm going to make you a promise. If you will write these five S's in the front of your Bible, and every major decision that you have to make in life, if you will go to these five S's, from the Spirit to the Scripture to the situation to the sermon to the supplication, if you will go to those, you will never need a palm reader. If you will go to those, you will never need a Ouija board. If you go to those, you will never need a psychiatrist. Somebody say amen. Y'all are a little lacking this morning. My amen crew must be out somewhere. So I'm going to depend on you to step up. It encourages me to hear you say amen. And so you'll never need, and I'm going to step on some of your toes, if you will consult these five S's written in the front of your Bible, you won't need your horoscope on Monday morning. Thank you. The amen crews are back. All right, praise God. Let's pray. Father, take your word now and speak to our hearts how true these eternal things are from your word of God. I pray for all the prayer requests today. I pray, Father, that you'd meet our need. I pray you'd meet our need here. Help us to preach the word, uplift the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Supplication. Supplication is a prayer. But I counted about ten different prayers that you could pray. You can pray a prayer of praise. You can pray a prayer of thanksgiving. You can pray a prayer of repentance. You can pray a prayer that is intercessory or for someone else. You can pray an imprecatory prayer. That's a big 50 cent word that just means you're praying against something. I'm going to tell you something. There are things I pray against. Amen. And uh, so, But a supplication is a type of prayer. And supplication, the word supplication, the first part of the word that describes itself, it is supply. When we pray, we're asking God for a supply. We're supplicating, asking for supply. Have you asked God to supply something this morning? I have. I've asked for grace this morning. I bowed beside of a, a dying man this very morning and prayed for grace. I prayed for strength. Amen. God is able to give us what we ask for. So often we pray these give me prayers. Give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. Hey, I don't know about you, I ask God for wisdom. Oh, how we need wisdom today. We're living in a chaotic world that seems to have a lot of knowledge but lacks wisdom. I pray God give me wisdom. 
God, give me discernment and good judgment. We're living in a time, in a, in a nation where our judgment is absolutely twisted. And I say, God, give me good judgment from the word of God. Amen. But we ought to ask to hear the voice of God. Lord, I want your will for my life. Lord, I want your direction for my life. Lord, I want to hear your voice every single day. We ought to pray to hear the voice of God. We ought to pray. Listen, Jesus said you have not because you ask not. God has a great big supply of peace for the days that we live in. He has a great big supply of, of mercy and love and compassion and wisdom. And wisdom is greater than rubies, the Bible says. And prayer taps into that resource of God. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to look you straight in the eye and I'm going to tell you. One of the problems in our church and every other church I've been in is a lack of God's people to pray. Pray and hear the voice of God. We have not because we ask not. Prayer is the supply chain. Think about this. A supply chain is essential. We've seen a breakdown recently of the supply chain in America. You can have a million cows in Texas and without the supply chain, you ain't going to eat at Bonanza in Virginia. There's a point here. You can have soldiers on the battlefield, and boy, soldiers on the front line of the battlefield, they need food, they need clothing, they need ammunition, they need medicine, they need supplies, they need fuel, they need weapons. Buddy, it, listen to me, it takes 17 support personnel to keep one man on the front lines. That's how much supply is needed. <laughs> That's amazing. And yet, we have as Christians a supply, but we have a supply chain. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. The way to win a war is not to kill the man on the front line. The way to win a war is cut off his supply chain. If he doesn't eat, and listen, wars are geared, that tactics are geared that way. Modern warfare is geared that way. You don't fight on the front line. You fight behind the front lines. Break that supply chain, and you win the war. Now listen to me. Let's make a spiritual application about this supply chain. The Bible says that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Does it not? So God has all the riches. He's got a million cows in Texas. But you can't get it unless you ask for it. And the devil, the devils may not fight you on the front line. He'll fight you at your supply chain. And he'll cut you off from that. And you're going to wither away as a Christian. That ain't in the good enough amen. Amen. God help us to be people of prayer. The devil breaks our... You say, preacher, the devil can't break your supply chain. Well, you've never read the book of Daniel. When the prince of Persia withstood an archangel for two weeks 
before he could get the supply chain through to Daniel. That's something deep, is it not? God help us to be people of prayer. The supply chain is like like the walkie-talkie, the soldier's walkie-talkie that calls in the airstrikes or, or calls in the supplies. Listen, we have to call it in. God's got it, but we have to call it in. Lisa can't pick up a Walmart order until she calls it in, praise God. I had to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's this morning and believe me, if I'd have pulled up to the window without going to the speaker, they'd have looked at me like I was stupid. You see what I'm saying? God desires us to pray. God desires us to ask for supplication. Prayer taps us in to the riches of God. But I'm preaching about God speaking to us. How does God speak to us if I'm speaking to him? <laughs> Oh boy, I could go in depth there, but I'm going to give you just the highlights of it. it I often counsel people, and I caution new couples, premarital counseling and marriage counseling, about communication. Communication is one of the most important things in the marriage relationship. Somebody say amen. amen. Some of y'all must have communicated with each other this morning, but not in a good way. <laughs> and uh, so... Communication is so important in the relationship. But I often ask people, how are you communicating? Because a lot of people communicate without a listening attitude. They're going to tell, pardon me if I use you, Jacob. They're going to tell the other person what they think, and while the other person is telling them what they think, they're formulating an answer. They're not listening with the intent to understand. They're listening with the intent to reply. Amen. Are y'all with me? Amen. And God wants us to pray as we pray to him. He does not want us to listen with the intent to reply. He wants us to listen with the intent to understand. That's how we communicate with God. That's why communication with the Lord in our prayer life is so important. You see, sometimes praying is not really what I say. It is enjoying the presence of God. When I pray and I communicate with him, there's fellowship with him and he blesses me. His spirit just illuminates my soul and praise God. There is a presence of God. Prayer is really an acute sense of the presence of God. Can I tell you something? There is nothing greater in this world than to have and to know that you have the very presence of God. Prayer is an acute sense of the presence of God. As I spend time in prayer, God speaks to me. I hear the voice of the Father. Even though I'm praying, he's speaking to me. God gives me wisdom. God opens my understanding. Prayer not only pulls down his presence, but prayer unlocks his blessings on my life. God help me to get my walkie-talkie and tell God what I need. Amen. The greatest joy in life ought to be enjoying the presence of God. I often pray, and I've told you this, 
I'm too, I'm too OCD or ADHD or whatever I am, I don't know, to get down on my knees and just stay there or, and pray and pray and pray. So I go to the top of my hill. And I mean, nobody wants to go up there. It's steep, it's rocky, and I'm the only one that ever goes up there. And I go up there and I just walk from fence post to fence post, from gate to the fence. And as I walk, I talk with God. And God talks with me. I hear the birds sing, and I hear the voice of God in the birds. I feel the breeze, and I hear the voice of God on the wind. I see the sky, and watch the clouds, and I hear the voice of God. There's something on the inside of me that just reverberates and illuminates me because God lives on the inside, and when I communicate with Him, He communicates with me, and I hear His voice. There is nothing like hearing His voice. And there are times when I don't ask for anything. I just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm not asking for wisdom. I'm not asking for things. I'm not even asking for strength. I'm just here just to enjoy Your presence. There's something else you ought to write in the front of your Bible. And it's this, you cannot be depressed in the presence of God. You cannot be depressed in the presence of God. I don't care what is going on in your life. If you have a loved one who is on their deathbed, if you'll get in the presence of God, the hot tears will flow, but they won't be tears of depression. They'll be tears of joy, praise God. They'll be tears of hope. They'll be tears to know this world is not our home. Write it down in your Bible. The preacher said it. You cannot be depressed in the presence of God. I tell you, our country's depressed. We've We've gotten more than we ever dreamed we'd ever have, and we're depressed. The reason is we've got it all, but we don't have the presence of God. God, help me and you to get along with Him and enjoy His presence as we send up our supplications and he sends down our supply. Man, what a blessing. Matthew chapter 6, I'm just now getting to the scripture. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says Jesus is instructing us here, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. How did they get their reward? They prayed publicly and for the, for the, for the, to be seen of men and they got their reward. But verse 6, when thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. So we'll look on just a minute. In verse 5, there is a prohibition. 
Write that down. There's a prohibition in verse five. Jesus said, do not, I prohibit you from praying like this. Do not pray standing on the street corner in long robes. Do not pray prayers that are meant to be heard in public because if you do, you have your reward down here. But he said this, here's the, here's the prompting. Verse five is the pro- prohibition. Verse six is the prompting. But when you pray, get in your closet and don't forget to shut the door because you're not praying for in front of men. You're praying to God and God who sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Both of these prayers, the public prayer and the private prayer got a reward, but the private prayer got rewarded of Almighty God. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. I don't want the praise of men. I want the blessings of God. Amen. The public prayer received a public award, but the private prayer also received a public reward. Verse 6 got its rewards in the blessings of God. Those were prayers prayed in secret that were not prayed in pretense or worried about someone else, what someone else thought. I like what Brother Dewey said many years ago. I made a mental note. I, through the years, I've made mental notes of what preach, other preachers have said. And he said this about public prayer. He said, I'm not against public prayer, but I am afraid of it. Because so often when we pray in public, we're praying for what we're worried about, what somebody's going to hear. I try my best. Now, there's, the Bible does tell us to pray in public. It does. But I try my best if I pray in public to just focus on the Lord. Amen. To just and, and that's when our prayers break through into this supply chain. Look at verse number seven. Here's another prohibition. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know what I've seen the heathen do? And I don't care if it steps on someone's toes. I've seen heathens use rosary beads. Somebody say amen. Hey, I'm not using rosary beads and praying to Mary. I'm not using rosary beads and vain repetitions and praying to Mary. I'm going to get on my knees and pour my heart out to the one who died on the cross for me. He is my great high priest. And he tells me himself, do not use vain repetitions. God doesn't want to hear a bunch of redundancy. Now he wants to hear fervency. The Bible says for the prayer of a fervent man, the effectual prayer of a fervent man availeth much. God wants us to pray fervently but not redundantly. You can pray for something over and over and over fervently, but if you're just going through a set of prayers, that's redundance. That's religion. God, so Jesus said that these repetitions, he used the word vain. The word vain is the word soap bubbles. <laughs> soap. I wonder how many times we prayed soap bubbles. They're empty. What is a soap bubble? It's empty. It pops real easy. And I'm afraid that so often our prayers are vanity and nothing but soap bubbles. He said there's a prohibition 
But he said there's another prompting. Look at verse 8. Be ye therefore like be, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. Amen. Now let's lift something out there. Because some people get confused here. Our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Do you believe that God already knows what you need before you bow your head? Then what you praying for? Amen. What? I mean, can you tell God something he doesn't already know? Can you, can you tell him your stress levels and he doesn't already know it? Can you tell him you have a need and he doesn't already know it? He already knows it. Listen to me carefully. It is not an insult to God's intelligence for you to pray and tell him something he already knows. It is not. There's absolutely nothing that he doesn't already know, but he, does, he wants me to come to him. He desires his fellowship with me. I hear his voice when I pray. I get a sense of direction when I pray. Listen to me carefully. I become one with God when I enter into my prayer closet and I honestly open my heart with him. I've never come to God in prayer and him go, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he always knows. But he wants me to come. He desires me to come. Why? Because prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. <laughs> prayer helps reveal to me the mind of God. God has changed my mind. God has changed my direction. God has changed me because I have prayed. The best change you could ever have in life is to let God change you. Not just in salvation one time, but to let him change you every day and let him make you and mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. I hear his voice when I pray. I sense his presence when I pray. Jesus, listen. Jesus prayed in John 17. You can read the whole chapter and it's nothing but Jesus praying. And he didn't even tell me anything I didn't already know. Are you with me? Jesus prayed. I mean, that is a long prayer, buddy. It takes you a while to, pray, to, to read it. And he's not telling God anything God doesn't already know. But yet Jesus himself, the Son of God, is praying and communicating with his Father. Why? Because he wants to feel the sense of the Father, have the direction of the Father, and let God change his life into the will of God. He set our example. <laughs> the reason that God wants us to pray is it changes us. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Amen. Prayer can change the mind of God, but prayer is meant more to change me. <laughs> so we often try to change the prayer of change the mind of God through our prayer. Well, and that can be done. Hezekiah did it, did he not? Hezekiah prayed, and God said, "Okay, I, I done made a decision, Hezekiah. It was your time to die, and I'm going to give you 15 more years. If that ain't changing God's mind, I don't know what is." 
I mean, Jonah changed the mind of God. He got swallowed by a whale, and he was fixing to be whale poop in the bottom of the ocean. And Jonah prayed, and God changed the mind of the whale. Amen. And sometimes you and I can be swallowed up in something. We can be swallowed up of our enemies, and we can pray to God, and God will change the mind of our enemies. God, listen, prayer changes God's mind, and God changes our situation. That can absolutely happen. The Bible says, of Jesus many times he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed here's the son of God so much for him to do so many people to heal so many people to preach to so many people to save I mean Jesus had his docket full his schedule looked worse than my calendar and Jesus the Bible says withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed I think it was John Wesley who said, who prayed four hours every morning. And they said, people around him said, you got so much to do. Why do you pray so much? And he said, I pray that much because I do have that much to do. And he found, look at at the ministry of John Wesley. If Moses had not have prayed, God would have destroyed the people of Israel. If Paul had not have prayed, he would have never went to Macedonia and look at all the people he won to the Lord in that region. If Joseph had not prayed, he'd still be in prison. If David had not have prayed, he would have died young at the hand of Saul. If Hannah had not prayed and got down on her knees and moved her mouth and, and Eli even thought she was drunk, if Hannah had not prayed, she'd have never had a child. If Ruth had not have prayed, we looked at that just a few weeks ago, if Ruth had not have prayed, she would have died lost in the land of Moab. One prayer was all it took. Let me ask you a question. Pointed directly at you. If you don't pray, what will you miss out on? If God has all this supply, but you're not on that walkie-talkie, you're not on that cell phone, you're not making that order, what will you miss out on? What would all of these, what would Moses and Paul, Hannah, what would, I, what would they, Ruth, what would they have missed out on if they had not have prayed? God, speak to us in our supplication. I'll tell you one more thing. If Judas had have only prayed one heartfelt, heart-meant prayer, he wouldn't be in hell. If Judas had just prayed one, just one prayer, if he would have just got down on his knees and said, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I've been taken. I've been thieving from this bag. Lord, I've been greedy of gain. Lord, would you forgive me? I bring you my heart. Would you just please forgive me and come into my heart? Judas could have been in heaven today, but yet he's burning in the charred wall of a burning hell because he wouldn't pray a prayer. Oh, that stirs me.
God, help us to pray. God, help us to pray. Lord, keep me in your will. Lord, keep me hearing your voice. Jesus prayed in this very chapter as he taught us the model prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus prayed all of John 17, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus bowed down in the garden of Gethsemane and, and his sweat as great drops of blood under such great stress, under such great anxiety. And he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. It's time that we as a church, that we as individuals pray that God would have his will and his way with us time is so short and we're so focused on everything else trying to do everything and be everything and trying to be this and that and have this success and that material position and the time is so short we ought to be praying God keep me in your will let me hear your voice every day He prayed. <laughs> I'll give you two things and then I'm going to close. Watch what you pray for, though. Remember, I believe it was Leonard Fletcher or one of the preachers is here. He said, watch what you pray for. He said, when I was in high school, I, he said, there was this beautiful young girl. And he said, I prayed every day that the Lord had let me marry her. And he said... After at our 30-year reunion, I saw her and I said, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. One more thing that a lot of people hadn't heard and I'll close. Boy, that one made me hot. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, it is Exodus 28. I'm just going to give you this briefly. It needs a whole message to explain it. God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He set up their way of worship. There was a great high priest, and the great high priest was to wear a vestment. On that vestment was a breastplate, and that breastplate was made of gold. In that breastplate, it had 12 stones. Each stone represented one of the tribes of the nation of Israel. Jacob had 12 sons, so there became 12 tribes of Israel, and those each stone represented that. But there was two strange stones added to that breastplate, and they were called the Urim and the Thummim. And I've never heard this preached publicly, but yet it's, it's all in the Bible. It's there several times. I could preach a whole message on the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim were two strange, mysterious stones that were placed on each shoulder above the heart of Aaron. The Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and Thummim meant lights and perfections, or it meant doctrine and truth, lights and perfections. And they would consult when Israel came to this really hard decision. They would, and maybe there was difference of opinions on which way to go, and maybe this was a really important decision in the nation. They would go to the high priest, and they would, they would inquire of the Urim and the Thummim, a mysterious thing. It's generally believed by Bible scholars, and I also believe this, that as they inquired 
at the priest in the priestly vestments as he's robed, that as they inquired, one of those stones would illuminate either yes or no, true or false. And the Urim and the Thummim were always worn, always there, always present. And on really important questions, they went to that. And you find that when they sinned, you, if you read on, and, and Saul later sinned against God and had sin all in his heart, he inquired at the Urim and Thummim, but God did not answer him. So there's a quick lesson here. I wish I had time to preach it all. You and I have the Spirit of God today dwelling on the inside. And God is very able to illuminate a yes or a no. God is very able to illuminate a true or a false. And when you hear something preached, we ought to say, hmm, what well, inquire God? Is that true or false? What's the Bible say? What's the Spirit say? What direction is God leading me? When we have an important decision in our life, listen, we don't just have to consult the Lord Jesus Christ on important decisions. We ought to ask him about the small ones too. You see, you and I, we don't have a Levitical priest out of Exodus 28. We have a great high priest who gave his life for our sin. We have a great high priest who sent his spirit to dwell in our heart. We have a great high priest who saved us for all eternity. We have a great high priest who wants us to come to him. We have a great high priest living on the inside of us that can illuminate our way. That's right. Now, here's where I want to hurt you a little bit. You and I live our lives and we stumble through our lives and we make this mistake and that mistake and we say that wrong and do that wrong. We made a wrong decision here. We made a wrong turn there. All because we didn't seek the yes or no from the Holy Spirit of God through our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you're looking at a man who's made a lot of mistakes because I didn't take the time to run it through God, I thought I was smart enough to do it. I've said a lot of things I shouldn't have said because I wasn't smart enough to run it through God, I thought I was smart enough to say it on my own. God help us before we start our day, before we do any activity, God help us to seek the face of God. Sometimes God will answer in three ways now. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says slow. But he will answer. God help us this morning. I hope this message has hit home for you as it has hit home for me. See, I've had the Holy Spirit of God. When I thought I knew the way, when I thought I knew the direction, when I thought I knew, I've went to the Lord and said, Lord, I think it's this way, but I want your will. Just like Jesus prayed in John 6, in 
Matthew 6, just like Jesus prayed in John 17, just like Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. I've had God to change me. And I give you my word. God has never changed me, my direction, or my mind that it wasn't for the better. May not have seemed like it right off the bat, but I guarantee you down the road, his way was better. Amen. The Lord blessed my mind this morning to stay on track, and I appreciate that so much. But I'm ready for a nap. I wonder if every head bowed and every eye closed as she plays some, some hymn of invitation. Would there be one here? You'd say, Preacher, I've never prayed that prayer of repentance. And I'm like Judas. I'm headed to hell. Oh my. One prayer away from one prayer away from heaven and won't pray it. One prayer away from a right relationship with God and won't pray it. My friend, you're a fool. <laughs> I want to ask you this morning. There be one here and say, Preacher, I'm one prayer away. I need to pray that prayer of salvation. Anybody at all, slip up your hand, take it down. Nobody's looking around. Anybody at all. You don't have to raise it up high. I can see it in front of you. Anybody at all. Christian, I've preached mostly to you. Where are you at hearing the voice of the Father? Where are you at in your prayer life? Where are you at in seeking God's direction for your life? God, make us people of prayer. All right, let's be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we just say thank you for the message we've heard today, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that each of us, Lord, would examine our prayer life with you, Lord. And just if we're honest with ourselves, Lord, we would confess that there's many times we make decisions apart from seeking you first, Lord. It's as if we get ahead of you and then tell you to catch up, Lord. And all the while, we would have an easier route ahead, Lord, if we would just involve you in the forefront. Lord, this week as we consider prayer and we just think about the opportunity to pray, Lord, I just pray we would just intercede on behalf of, again, Lisa's father, Lord. I just pray that you just be with that family, Lord, and just bless them in a special way, Lord. We pray for Sister Jo, Lord, as she goes this week to Duke, Lord. I just pray you'd give the guidance wisdom and uh, the doctor's wisdom there, Lord, and just guidance, Lord, as they seek to, to treat her, Lord, and just give her a, a settled comfort knowing that you're going before her. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege to be in your house today, and we pray you'd bless us in a special way as we go out and about in the community, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.